Welcome back to Morning Trade Live. We've got futures down a bit here today, a pause in the otherwise very optimistic past week following some light inflation prints. Joining us to talk about what it might mean for the Fed and more, Chance Fanukin is the Chief Investment Officer at Oxbow Advisors. Chance, good morning. Is the optimism this market is uh, uh, emanating the past week in the right mindset? We would say no uh, this past month and a half with the market rising again, we would say it's a little bit misplaced. We understand it's because that inflation number came in less than expected and it has people excited, but we don't think it changes the mindset of the Fed or other central banks that need to continue to raise short-term rates. And that's gonna act as a continued uh, sort of hindrance to economic growth that we think is gonna be a problem heading into next year. So what about the first part uh, before the inflation came through? Because we kind of had these two sections the last month. The first one was the Dow doing great. Uh, companies that pay dividends and have good balance sheets started rallying. Uh, and uh, other companies were making lows. Uh, companies that uh, don't make money and were bombing on earnings were getting destroyed. Of course, since inflation, everything's rallying. But what about before that? Could that possibly be a market dynamic that holds uh, some things going up, some things going down? That's possible. I think the one thing that people have to recognize with the Dow especially is that that's not, in our mind, uh, a great index that represents across sectors and a lot of companies. United Health Group, which we've owned for a long time in our clients' stock portfolios, is 11% of the Dow Jones index today. Mm -hmm. And so you have a little bit more of a bent towards defensive and uh, more cyclical value stocks. And that's why it's performed so well this year. But we think a, a broader average or index is a better representation of what's happening today. In terms of the profitless uh, companies that you mentioned that have been rising by a lot, we imagine that's just with interest rates having come down a bit and people being a bit more optimistic about what they think will be a Fed pivot. They're bidding those up, but we would consider that to be a mirage that uh, would rather fade. And we don't own any businesses like that, but we would, if you did own any of those, we would advise taking some profits if you bought it in the short term and, and trying to stay away from those because they might roll over again soon. Mm. Well, let me reframe the uh, uh, outperformance comment then to your point about the Dow. The equal weight S&P 500 did better than the S&P 500 during October. So kind of normalizing that uh, 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 explanation a bit there where we did see basically just the big tech stuff really dragging. Is this a market uh, that can possibly get back to higher levels, levels from last year without the giants leading the way? Or will we still have our fate decided by those top 10? Probably a bit of both. You're right that right now it's it's been better for an equal weighted index. Uh, you get a little bit more contribution from energy and some value sectors. Uh, there's been a little bit more cyclical uh, help there, and then consumer staples and healthcare become a bigger weight and have done better uh, than the rest of the market. So it could be that there's just sort of a, a brought down a little bit in terms of those big five or 10 stocks uh, that got up to being 25% of the index, and those end up being a bit smaller percentage going forward. Uh, but in our minds, to try and get back to where we were at the highs uh, in the S&P 500, for instance, we're at 17 and a half times earnings uh, for next year right now. That would mean you'd have to go back up to what 20 or 21 times earnings, which was the same very high excessive valuations we were seeing at the start of this year totally. that we don't think are sustainable. And so in our mind, maybe you could say it stays in its trading range here, but 
we don't think there's a lot of upside here and we're concerned about continued uh, earnings uh, downgrades for next year mm. and just think that we want to make sure we're more protected on the downside rather than thinking that there's a lot more upside to go over the next six to 12 months. Great point. So uh, the top line of that PE, the valuation component uh, would have to get way stretched. Doesn't seem reasonable with liquidity being drained instead of coming in by the Fed. No dispute there. What about the bottom line? Could we possibly grow those earnings or is the recession conviction high enough at this point? What are the odds here that uh, maybe Maybe we've overestimated the recession risk. Maybe the yield curve isn't quite the uh, uh, truth serum that many think it is. It's possible that it doesn't play out that way this time. But in our minds, uh, we do think that those risks should be uh, taken to heart. So just looking at the earnings piece, uh, you only have to go back to the first half of this year. Uh, this third quarter earnings uh, release that we just went through uh, people were expecting double-digit earnings per share growth, and we ended up at 4%. So that's pretty normal where there's a little bit too much optimism. And so if you look into next year, uh, earnings estimates have been coming down to where we're looking at about flat uh, earnings per share growth for the S&P 500 in the first half of 2023. We actually think that'll probably end up being a negative number, especially by the second quarter. But if you look to the second half of next year, they're still expecting double digit earnings per share growth, which in our mind is definitely too optimistic. So that would be one area that we think you'd wanna watch out for. And then on the yield curve inversion, I, I think people sometimes when they see, especially that two year, 10 year inversion in the treasury yield, uh, is usually a, a long lead time before you get a recession starting. But what we've just seen in the last week or two is that three-month, 10-year inversion, yes. which is now about a 40 basis point gap with the three-month treasury being higher. That's eight for eight at predicting recessions starting within 12 months of the inversion going back to 1969. That's something that we're not going to try and say, oh, it'll be different this time. We put a lot of credence in that and say, mm -hmm. you know, it matches with what we're seeing with a lot of tightening in the marketplace. Love that. Uh, my favorite yield curve to watch. Campbell Harvey's here with us all the time telling us that that thing is uh, uh, destined to play out the way history tells us. Is that uh, from your studies, did I hear you right there that the timeline between inversion on the 10 to the three month suggests a little bit of a quicker entrance to recession than the timeline after you invert the 10 to two? Yes, that's correct. Uh, and I think mm -hmm. usually it's just the way that policy works, it takes a little bit longer for the three months to get up to that level that it would invert. The two year versus 10 year treasury tends to invert a little bit sooner. But in our mind, it's typically within about 12 months that you might see that recession starting after the inversion between the three month and the 10 year. We're there now, so it could be something that starts in the first half of next year, or maybe it drifts a little bit later into 2023. But given where valuations are today and that we still think earnings estimates are too high, uh, we think it's best to be defensively positioned just because we think there might be more downside to go if this is our current situation. Okay, uh, Chancel, finally here, does your framework allow for anything bold from Jerome Powell next time we hear from him? Markets looking at dropping to 50 basis points. Does that happen? And beyond that, what are the expectations? We think the 50 basis point hike in December is, uh, we agree with that. I think that's pretty much expected. Uh, there's probably an additional hike coming in February. And then I think where we're interested is, right now it's projected that he's going to stop at that point. 
but we might still have a CPI number between six and 7% in the first quarter next year. And if we're only at four and a half percent in the Fed funds rate after that February hike, it'll be interesting to see if he wants to hike even further. Uh, it seems like there's uh, sort of differing opinions on whether he really wants to play the Paul Volcker card and try to uh, really get that rate higher, or uh, is he going to capitulate and pause and then pivot and start cutting rates? But that's going to really hurt the credibility of the Fed if you can't get inflation down at least below 4% by that point. All right, uh, Chance, fantastic conversation, great contribution, love the macro analysis, uh, really good stuff. Appreciate you being here. Thanks. All right, uh, Chance uh, Finucan joining us from Oxbow Advisors, really good take there. And a uh, key reminder that that inversion of the three month and 10 year doesn't lie, at least not historically, and does carry a little bit more imminence than 10 to the two.